Broadcasting from Little Hampton, UK, this is the Man Up Podcast. From Sorted Magazine, official sponsor, staggerversary.co.uk. Loading in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hi, Steve Legg here on the Sorted Magazine Man Up Podcast. Fabulous to have you with us. Great news, by the way. Just heard today we made it into the top 10 uh, American podcast chart so how about that so um, we're delighted with that and today's another special edition we hear from the entertainers Gary Grant the Christian toy shop entrepreneur it's absolutely fascinating so he is our main guest for the whole podcast and we chat to the uh, the global retailer on praying for his troubled rivals banning Harry Potter and expanding his business in the teeth of a recession so it's another belter. Sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and make sure you tell your pals. Hi, this is Lieutenant Colombo, and you are listening to the Man Up Podcast. The most fun you can have without a cigar and a trench coat. All right, I think I've bothered you enough for today. I'll let you go on and listen. Oh, oh, and just one more thing. Enjoy the show. Well, it's fabulous to be here. I've not been in a knight's castle since I was about eight years old. I'm here with Goofy, who's about six foot tall, Mickey Mouse, who's bending over, and uh, Gary Grant, which means we must be at the Entertainer HQ. Hello, Gary. Hello. It's very nice to meet you. Thank you for coming to see us. This is the knight's castle. This it is the knight's castle. I was in here. I thought, oh, yeah. I like a bit of this. We could have been put in the doll's house. Do you know what? I think we were in the doll's house originally, and I thought, I'm not happy with this. No, we pulled the ace card. (laughs) And we are here. So, Gary, it's fabulous to have you on the Sorted Man Up podcast. And it really is no exaggeration to say your story is a story of a a lad with one Mm O-level who went on to create a multi-million pound toy empire. Now, don't be modest now. Mm -hmm. That's true, yeah? It is true. Can you take take us back to beginnings? Were you you always into toys? No, no. Right back to the very beginning, because we're in Buckinghamshire now, and, and uh, we moved here with my mum when my parents were divorced when I was three. Um, and it's a lovely area to live, but we had no cash as a, as a family. And uh, uh, as a youngster, I had many different jobs. I used to go out and sweep people's leaves up or clear the snow or wash cars. Um, and then uh, when I went to senior school, I had other, many other other little jobs. Just I just needed to earn cash if you wanted money for your holiday or, or your bike, whatever you yep. wanted. So I, I worked in my uh, Arcala's sweet shop uh, from the Cubs. I uh, worked in a bike shop. I worked on a milk float in the old days, in the old money, like two and six for, for a day's work. Um, I had morning paper rounds and evening paper rounds. So that's how I got going and earned some cash. And, and then uh, I left school at 16 with, with one O level uh, in maths, which has served me really well. Uh, you know, mental arithmetic is, um, is amazing when I've worked out what the discount is when people are still playing with their calculators that is a real and skill. I've moved on and they're still stuck. And when they say, yes, I know that that's probably a good deal because they haven't worked it out yet. Um, and uh, then I bought myself a moped, uh, one of these little Yamaha sort of racer yeah. mopeds with, with my cash. Then I bust up at home and, and I left home at, at 18 and um, moved into digs. Married when I was literally just under, just over 21 um, to Kath, who I'm still married to. I have four children. We have uh, three of them are married, four's getting married next year, and I have six grandchildren, so a you lot's do, happened in 35 you years. you do not look old enough. You <laughs> yes. look great. Thank you. Is there a big difference, and I've, I've always believed this, a big difference between being intelligent and being smart. Yeah. Do you think there's a big difference? I think 
I think common sense is really important, mm. and and I think as we've as we've gone through life, um, I'm, people call me an entrepreneur, and I and I think I am. I, I think I can see things in things. I can see another way of doing things. I can think outside the box. I'm always looking at a different way, which will hopefully be more cost effective. So in the old days, we'd have had time emotions. And today we talk about productivity. But how can we do what we're doing without necessarily working harder, but we're working smarter? Um, and I think that I think that's where common sense comes in. So realistically, my one O level, so that's n- no degrees, no A levels. I don't think you can you can go to anywhere and learn common sense. You've either sure. got it, or you haven't got it. And I think as life has gone on, um, what I've learned is that um, each of us have a risk threshold. We're all we're all risk takers in whatever we do. You know, the only way of avoiding risk is don't get up in the morning. Sure. And there's probably risks with that. But we're all risk takers, and depending on the level of risk we can cope with, um, depends on. Uh, on, on, on maybe how we can get on in life. And I remember my dad who used to work for Rolls-Royce when I had three shops. I don't, know, I don't know how you cope with all that responsibility. But my risk threshold was higher. Sure. Now, when I'm talking about risk, I'm not talking about ri- uh, 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 outrageously stupid risks. I'm talking about calculated risk-taking, and that's how we run a business. So, you know, yeah, you've taken a real risk if you think putting a, put, buying a lottery ticket or putting a, a pound on a horse's nose is, 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 is going to return a good return because it's just luck. I'm talking about calculating it and then having the ability to go through with something. Wonderful. So tell us about your first store. So you're wheeling, dealing. You had your one O level. It sounded a little yeah. bit like Rodney Trotter with his well, his one I guess, it, I guess yeah. Well, the, the thing market. was, I was born in Wembley, so I think I can relate to the Trotters, <laughs> and and uh, I, I I guess I haven't really ever fancied a, a three wheel Reliant. But um, when uh, when I left school, I, I I went to work in a local bike shop. In fact, the one that I worked at for many years when I was at school. Um, there was a skateboard boom in the mid 70s. Um, the bike shop got involved in buying and selling skateboards. Uh, but when the market crashed, I started a little business on the side, <laughs> wheeling and dealing, selling selling skateboard products, wheels and bearings and, and, and decks and things to mainly to two people. One was a South African guy who was exporting them. And another guy that had moved on from skateboards into the then new thing, the inline roller skates, which is a craze that started in the very late 70s. Um, and there was a little bit of conflict between my day job, running a bike shop that had been involved in skateboards, and, and my now new little business on the side, and that resulted in me getting the sack. So uh, in January 1981, um, I lost my job at the bike shop in Amersham. I'd been married for two years at this stage, um, had a mortgage, and had, in fact, I'd sold that house and was buying a bigger house with some of the money that we'd made um, selling skateboard bits and bobs. Uh, and now I was jo- and now I'd lost my job. So uh, I looked around to see if I could open a bike shop. Sure. Um, and couldn't find a shop premises that uh, I thought would work. Uh, a friend from school rang me and said the toy shop in Amish was on the market. Went and had a look at it. Did a deal. Bought the toy shop. So May 1981, the first entertainer opened. Wonderful. And I like to think you, I mean, I've met you a few times over the years. But the first time I sit down, sat down to chat to you properly, I think maybe a little bit canny with the name The Entertainer, because if, presumably if toys didn't work out yeah. and you were offered a few gross of, of LPs, yeah, exactly. it could have become a music well, shop. Was, it, was that in the back of your mind? No, well, it wasn't in the back of my mind. It was the back of my wife's mind. 
So it was Kath that came up with the name The Entertainer because we knew nothing about toys. Um, And I wanted, uh, and the toy shop that we took over was called The Pram and Toy Bar. And what I didn't want to open, I, did, I, I didn't think that name was, was, was going to have legs. I didn't think it was going to survive and I didn't want to sell prams. And I thought, if I have a, a, a toy shop name with the name Toy in it, I'm restricted to toys. So Kath said, if we have a name um, called The Entertainer, if it filled your time, if it entertained you, we could sell it. So I could have sold books, I could have sold sports equipment, musical Brilliant. instruments. I could actually have even gone back into the, into the toy, into the bike industry. Um, but we started with toys and we had great support from the toy industry when we started. Um, and 35 years later, actually 36, I should be better at maths than that. 36 <laughs> years later, um, the, 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 toy, the toy empire has grown. And how many stores have you got as of today? So today we have 140. Wow. Uh, we are between 7 and 8% of the toy industry. Um, so at their peak, when Woolworths went uh, into administration, they were 14% of the toy trade. So we are about half as big, just over half as big in the toy market as Woolworths were, and they had 880 shops. Man, that is so exciting. And you're obviously very passionate about it yep. still to this day. Yep. And I know your faith really matters to you as well. Well, Tell it us does. About that so... Game. When I started in business back in the 80s, in fact, being in business even before I left school, but um, there weren't any boundaries to running a business. It was just all about making cash. It, you know, there was, that's how it was. Um, and I started our business in 81. So for the first 10 years of being in business, um, you know, we just made money however we could make money and sold whatever we could sell. And then something a life-changing experience happened in, in 1991. My wife, who'd been going to church for a couple of years, bought me um, a ticket for a men's breakfast. Uh, I went along, uh, heard this preacher called Barry Kissel speak about a relationship that he had with Jesus. Yep. Now, I did RE at school, and the whole religious thing was very remote. It, it felt like a, a mindset thing. It wasn't a real living thing. It was just something you learned. So I knew that Jesus healed people, turned water into wine, did amazing miracles. But it was nothing more than that. It wasn't, it wasn't a personal thing. Nobody ever told me that, 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 that Jesus just overwhelmingly, unconditionally loved me. So I thought, but this guy was saying all that. I'm thinking, and he gave lots of examples about, about things that he was, he said, well, that couldn't have happened. Mm. Oh, that is such a coincidence. Yes. You know, and I'm thinking, so I left that Saturday with all those dismissive thoughts, really. That can't have happened. That was just a coincidence. Decided on the Sunday I'd go and find him. So I went to Chorleywood, which is, I knew he came from a church in Chorleywood, went to a church in Chorleywood, strolled in with everybody else. To cut a long story short, God just got me. Uh, I was sitting at the back. I didn't want to mix with all the Christian guys. I didn't know who they were. And a lady stood up at the front and said, we've got three pictures one was a small sailing boat on the high seas, can only go in the direction that's, that the wind and the tide will take it. Second one was a, a monkey wrench, a big adjustable spanner, nuts and bolts and springs and something wanted to be released. And the third one was a whole row of railway arches, two blacked out and somebody inside too frightened to come out. I just burst out crying. <laughs> so an hour later, I am still crying, but something dramatically changed. And I walked out of church that night realising that actually God really, really loved me. He didn't necessarily like everything I did, but that wasn't what he was judging. He just loved me. And out of that experience, I had to completely review how I was living my life. In So God doesn't say to Gary, if you change what you do, I'll love you. He's saying, Gary, I love you. 
and and out of that love you change what you're doing so um just had to rethink my marriage you know there was nothing wrong with my marriage but on the other hand I was hell-bent on making money I wasn't necessarily there for the children all the time or there for Kath all the time so that's definitely I think saved my marriage becoming a Christian I had to review how we're running our business in the area of honesty and product selection and then and then just um, 20 years ago what are you going to do about Sunday trading Gary you know when the laws became okay to trade on a Sunday did I really want all of my staff we employ nearly 2,000 people now, many of them dads, mums, uncles, aunties, grandparents. Do I really want those staff working on a Sunday, almost the one day of the week, that they're capable of having a family Sunday lunch together? And, and I value families. Um, and I think it's really important that as we see so many of the, the fallouts in society that we're living in, and it could come down to the fact that the family unit's under attack. And I don't want to see that, not under my watch, not with people that I'm employing. So we closed all our stores. In fact, we've never opened our stores on a Sunday. Uh, I remember saying to God, um, I'll, I'll pray about this for, in June when the law came in, in September, saying to God, God, there's no point in praying if you don't answer prayer. And I felt I hear God say to me, Gary, no amount of praying is going to get me to change my mind. <laughs> and the thing is, I knew from the beginning, I wouldn't have prayed about something if I if I knew that it was okay to do it, um, and uh, and therefore we've never opened on a Sunday, and we've attracted the most amazing staff. Um, we we employ the best people we can employ, so you don't wouldn't get a job at the entertainer by coming in and saying mm. you, you've got faith that that doesn't get you across the threshold. Yeah. If you're great at what you're doing and you've got a faith, then you've got a double whammy. Um, but we've got the very best staff, and so many of my staff say to me, Gary. I took a job here because I could be at home with my children at the weekends, or particularly on a Sunday. So it's really important that we value family life. When whiling away the days, months and years of the Shawshank State Penitentiary, I love nothing more than to listen to the Sordid Man Up podcast. Fear can hold you captive. Man Up can set you free. Healthy friendships are important. Friends who listen, laugh, challenge, and offer sound counsel. Who has time for that? We do! Why not have a stagiversary? Unite both old and new friends over a day, weekend, or even longer. But this time round, you set the agenda. At Stagiversary, we believe in fun and adventure. But most of all, helping you to create space to rest, refuel, and reconnect with the important people in your life. What are you waiting for? Visit staggiversary.co.uk, inquire within, and let us do the rest. Sorry, man, her podcast. These guys are great. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. However, not as good as America will be when I am done with it. Brilliant. So I'm still here with Mr. Gary Grant. We're in the Knights Castle still in Little Chalfont. Bucks, I mentioned Goofy, Mickey and Gary. I've not noticed. We've got a seven foot bear. It's a beef eater. That's impressive, man. Yeah. How many of those do you sell a year? We don't. That, that, but in <laughs> fact, unfortunately, that's Merrythorpe. And that was a really old fashioned uh, British company. They've, they don't exist anymore. But that bear, uh, that was £2,000 uh, about 15 years ago. Yeah, 
But uh, it's great, isn't it? That, it's striking. Yes. It, it took me uh, 15 minutes to notice yeah. this. So. But didn't you notice the Stormtrooper and Darth Vader on the way I in? I didn't. Oh, I'll show you on the way Please out. Please do, mate. So I'm here with Gary Grant, big boss, big cheese, at the entertainer, talking uh, about what an amazing story. So how did this one store become 140? I know, obviously, 30, 35 yeah. years or so. Well, as I say, I was, I, when I became a Christian in 91, I had three stores. And um, and then we had to say reassess how we were going about doing things. So product selection was a, was a, a key thing. And, and a lady challenged me um, the year before I became a Christian about the Halloween stuff that I was selling. Okay. Uh, and I, and uh, and I said, look, I'm just buying and selling stuff. I'm just in business to make money. And she said to me, if you stop selling Halloween, Gary, the Lord will, re- will replace your lost business in other ways. And I thought she was completely bonkers. And I remember saying to her, but that's never going to work, isn't it? If I stop selling one thing, I'll sell more of something else. And uh, the next year I'm a Christian, decided that I shouldn't be stocking Halloween. The Bible's quite clear. Avoid that that even appears to be evil. So why would I want to encourage children to dress up as witches and devils and, and other stuff and do the sorts of things one night a year that as parents we wouldn't let our children do for the No, harassing old people. Well, and chucking running around in the dark yeah. and stuff, all the dangerous <laughs> things. Um, so I stopped selling Halloween and then... Uh, October 1991 was one of the best increases in turnover we'd had in our 10 years of being in business. So I knew that I could trust God even with the money. Mm. Um, and that's a really big thing for a man to think that actually this person you can't, you can talk to him and, and he'll communicate with you in, in, in ways that you can't, it's, it's not tangible. You're not unlikely to get an email, but it's staggering what sometimes gets confirmed in other ways through other people. So now on this new journey of, of um, stocking the ranges that I felt comfortable with, I was happy to put my name to, the business grew from three stores then, and it's opened a few stores. We stumbled a bit in the, during the financial crisis. They were, a, they were really, really tough years, 2008, 2009. So even the toy industry was impacted? Oh, yes. I mean, it, when in the last quarter of 2008, when... Um, Bradford and Bingley was going down. A few of the other big banks were going down. Uh, our business, all within two weeks, collapsed by thirty percent. And 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 the toy the toy business is really seasonal. Half mm. of our money is taken in three months. So when you're going into your time of the year, which is the only months in which you make money, and your business tanks thirty percent, you've got a problem. Mm. And we were rebudgeting almost every week, um, and we were, we looked like we were heading for a million pound loss. Um, that year and for a family business a relatively small family business with 40 shops then that that was a significant and I remember sitting in this room in in the Knights Castle and I remember my bank manager who was sitting in the chair next to where you're sitting now saying to me Gary you're gonna have to give up this Sunday stuff you need to take the money and I said no 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 you don't get it <laughs> I said I'm, I do what's right even in the bad times as well as in the good times and uh, that year we made ten thousand pounds the loss didn't happen. By the end of January, we'd turn things around and we made £10,000. And that is the God that I've got to know. You can trust him. You really can trust him. And there's a little bit in the Bible, and it is about our motive. It says, those honour me, I will honour. Mm. So if if our motive is for God to do something for us that we don't deserve, then it's cracked. It doesn't, it doesn't work. But God knows why I do the different things that I do. So if he knows my heart, if he knows my motive, then then I think God walks through all those different things with me. So I'm not saying they weren't really difficult months. They were really difficult months. Um, and there must have been really many, many business leaders worrying about things 
that had nobody to talk to. Sure. I actually had my faith to rely on. I had the ability to pray and actually we came out of that in a really strong Am way. Am I right in thinking you had some special prayer meetings for your staff that you, that you offered to staff? Yeah, and- so by October of 2008, wars had just gone into administration. And I really felt for those people. Now, 28,000 people were about to lose their jobs. And there were so many other companies crashing all around. And many of my staff, their partners were losing their jobs. It was, it, was, it was a really, really unsettling time. And I thought, well, okay, the least I can do is, is just gather the staff together. So you, you can't make people to come to a prayer meeting. So I just sent an email to all the head office staff and said, look, we're having a prayer meeting at lunchtime. We're going to pray for our own business. We're going to pray for uh, Woolworths and their staff. And we're going to pray for the wisdom of, of the politicians to guide us through this. And uh, I don't know how many we probably had. We might have had 50 staff in head office at that time. And I thought maybe we might get six or eight. And the local vicar from the church came in just to be with us and make it sort of official. And uh, 30 staff came. Uh, and we had we had a prayer meeting for probably, we ran that for probably three months um and the numbers dwindled but but people still came and and it was just an amazing time of of the staff rallying round because i think they could see they could i think i wear my feelings on on my cuff as it were and i think they could see i i was under a lot of pressure the responsibility on me to make sure that every month everybody had their paycheck that was huge wow some people might say you have something of a non-commercial approach in terms of not opening Sundays, not stocking certain things. But I was going to say you give away 10% of your profits, which not many businesses would do. Can you tell us about that, Gary? Yeah. The thing is about the Christian life, it's it's not a pick and mix. Mm. And and I found if you just literally jump in with both feet, it's it's been the most amazing adventure over over nearly 27 years now. So... How we go about doing what we do is, is, is our Christian faith. It isn't about the fact I go to church on a Sunday. It is actually how I behave and how I operate for the other six, six days of the week. In fact, to be honest, it's more important how I, in my view, sure. how I operate for the other six days of the week. So not stocking ranges like Harry Potter, but there have been others because I felt uncomfortable with it. Um, not opening on Sundays. Um, hopefully being generous towards the staff when the wheel comes off their life, um, giving 10% of our, of our, of our um, uh, profits to charity, that's just part of our DNA. It's just, it's just part of who we are. And they're all could be seen as uncommercial things. Why are you doing it? But I, but I feel it's the right thing to do. And, and I really think the business can be a force for good. And it, and it all comes down to leadership. And we can look at many of the multinational companies that have crashed, where maybe the leadership were being unrealistic about their expectations of their business, or they were cutting corners um, and not sticking to the rules, and things have just fallen apart. So I think just do the right thing, even in the tough times, do the right thing. And, and if it wasn't for a stable society, I couldn't run my company. Uh, and, th- and therefore, I couldn't. I couldn't make money. So it's only right that I put back into society some of what we take out of society. So we, um, we. I like to think that as a company, we facilitate generosity. So we start that off by we are generous. We give away ten percent of what we earn. We then facilitated a payroll giving scheme in house 
to enable our staff to choose to give to a charity of their choice every month really easily. So they just say, £5 to this charity, £10 to that charity. And we make that deduction because it's authorised mm. and we pay it to them. No cost. Charity gets the full 5 or £10. And 50% of my staff now give. We've been running this for five years. 50% of my staff now give monthly to a charity of their choice. It's unprecedented. There's no other company in the country (laughs) where half the staff give to to a charity. Not because I bribe them, not because I lean on them. It's because they've chosen to do that. And then the third way is uh, we run something for our customers to um, be generous. We run something called pennies. So when you pay by debit or credit card, you can round your purchase up to the nearest pound. The average donation is 39 pence, raises about £400,000 a year. We have over a million donations (laughs) of just rounding up to a penny. Now, the, the customers tell me and my staff it's fantastic. So they love the fact that we do it, and yet it raises £400,000 a year. So collectively last year, the entertainer facilitated about £1.6 million worth of charitable giving. So we can facilitate and model generosity. Business can be a force for good. Gary, I flipping love it. So what's new for this Christmas? What is the big trend? Well, there's loads of great things going on in, in, in Toy Town. Um, the, the craze that's unprecedented at the moment is, is this thing called unwrapping. Yes. You know, where you just keep taking off yeah. the layers. Well, um, the thing that's, that's the toy that's sort of unwrapping is something called LOL. And it's a ball that you, as you take the wrappers off, it's, it mainly sells to girls, but there's little things in between the wrappers. I, I guess it's a bit like past the parcel when yeah. we were kids. And there's a doll inside. Well, we've never, ever sold anything like this. And it's, it's, it's only just the beginning of September. And uh, the other thing that's really going, in fact, I think we're going to be really, we're definitely going to be short of LOL this Christmas, but the other thing that's going to be short is a, a thing called fingerlings. It's a little monkey that's about um, four inches high. So what's that, about 10 centimetres yeah. high. Uh, it grips to your finger and does all sorts of things. You can stroke its head. It's got sensors on it. It's unbelievable. All oh, in man, different colours. It farts. But the kids <laughs> love it. <laughs> it's kind of a little bit of fun, haven't you? But the kids absolutely love it. And it's coming. And the new one that's coming out in the next couple of weeks is uh, Fingerling Glitter. Um, so it's got glitter and it comes with a nap and all sorts of things. So there's some, there's some fantastic things happening in, uh, in, in Toy Town. But like all, these, like all these crazies, don't leave it till Christmas week to no. get what your children want. Because guess what? You could be chasing around the world to get it. Oh, my, my girls, I've got five daughters. They were into, well, I call them Transylvanian families, Sylvanian yeah. yeah, families. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And- Man, yeah, that, was, yeah. that was mad making all those. 30 years ago that was launched, <laughs> and we have sold thousands and thousands of houses. But they're such a wholesome, fantastic, great good quality stuff, item. And it's good for the dads making them and the yeah. mums. Yeah. I love putting the little stickers on. What about um, Action Man? Is Action Man still going Well, no, Action Man's not made anymore. So Action Man was around in the early 80s. It was yeah. Palitoy at the time. Um, and I think the military side of toys has, 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 has that's gone down. We, we sell very, very little military stuff. In fact, we do sell guns. We sell authentic cowboy guns, but we don't sell any realistic guns. So if ever I get challenged about, we well, don't stock this and you don't yeah. stock that, but why do you sell guns? In the end, I'm not a spiritual policeman. No, I am not the one that's saying to parents, you should buy this, or you shouldn't buy that. Parents need to make their own decision about what they're comfortable in their children or their grandchildren playing with. But I have to feel comfortable with what I'm selling. So I don't want to put a, a policeman in a, a moment's worth of decision I've got to make with something that's really sure. realistic. Um, so if you want a silver cowboy gun, I feel comfortable with that. Yeah. If you want an AK, whatever, yeah. I don't feel comfortable with that. So we don't stock that many war toys. In fact, as you said, that reminded me of my favourite toy when I was 
I don't know, eight for Christmas, Ricochet Racers. Do you remember them? It was a cross between a car and a weapon. It was like a big rifle, white with red and blue stickers, and you loaded cars into the side and and fired along the ground, along the kitchen. So your mum's tripped over it, and uh, that was was fabulous. What was your favourite toy as a kid? Well... I've often said my favourite toy was a scooter because actually my scooter was my independence. I could get out and about uh, as a a youngster with a scooter. Um, But the range that I think I've loved best, and I've actually sold it three times over in my toy career, is Thunderbirds. Um, So, uh, you know, we have Thunderbird 2 and Tracy Island and all the other bits and bobs. I remember um, two launches ago, you just could not buy a Thunderbird Tracy Island. It was one of those... Scarlet Pimpernel can't get. They were making on Blue Peter. Exactly, I was just going to say that. (laughs) Get your toilet rolls together, and this is how you make. So yet again, the parents sitting down with the children making things together, and and the and the table, whether it be a a family game or craft, where parents sit down and make things. These are such great things to encourage families to do because most of the computer games that we don't sell, but most of the computer games on the market are one person games. So you go away and huddle in the corner and you and, and you and you just play with the screen. Gary, it's fascinating. Now, my, all my girls are teenagers now, so I'm not so much into toy shops. But is it true you have little steps in your store so we children do. don't get overlooked? We do. I heard, I heard a story about you getting absolutely furious. Yes. How the stories travel. Yes. But it was that. I, I went into a store one day, and I was standing behind the counter, and the shop assistant looked straight over the head of a child to the next grown-up and said, can I help you? I said, well, hold on, but there's a child there. Yeah. I didn't see him. So, so that gave us this idea of having some steps at the counter, so that because we are the children's shop in town, the children don't want to get dragged round next and all the no. other shops. They want to come to the toy shop. So when they're in our shop, they are really special. They are royalty. So when you see a four-year-old walking up the steps with their toy that they've selected and handing over their pocket money, that is absolutely fantastic. And they're on eye contact with the shop assistant. Donald Trump here, leader of the free world. Speaking of free, you're listening to the Man Up Podcast. In the latest bumper edition of Sorted magazine, big name exclusive interviews, Hollywood A-listers, TV adventurer Bear Grylls, inspirational true life stories, adrenaline-fueled sports features, all this plus gadgets, entertainment, motoring, movies and technology, plus probably the greatest team of Christian writers ever assembled. Available now from high street retailers nationwide. Or visit sortedmag.com. Sorted for men, for life. Hey, this is Sylvester Stallone, and I play it tough. You're listening to the Sorted Man Up podcast. This is what we do. So, Gary, you became a Christian in 1991. Yeah. Um, you're good at maths. Yeah. I'm okay at maths. Yeah. You weren't a little kid. No, I wasn't. So, so, I was 33, and, and what really bugged me. Um, when I became a Christian, and I thought, why didn't somebody tell me about Jesus earlier? Yeah. And um, and maybe I wasn't ready to hear it. But over the last 25 years, the one thing that I think gives people the opportunity to, to at least explore faith, doesn't mean you have to accept it, because many people don't, uh, is a course that runs throughout the world now called Alpha. Runs over 10 weeks. Um, and it gives you the opportunity of hearing what Christians believe, why we believe it. You can join in with the discussion or just sit it out and just and just hear. But I, I just think if only I'd done, if only I'd 
been on an alpha course when I was 18 or 20, uh, would I become a Christian earlier? Because I have thoroughly enjoyed the last 26 years of my life. Brilliant, mate. Let me ask you this. If you were a schools minister, I'm going to throw this in. Yeah. So we're sitting in this room. People obviously, it's on the radio and podcast. They can't see these wonderful signs about creating memories and how important it is, you know, make-believe tea party in Grey's Knees and adventures to the moon and battles with, with pirates. If you were a schools minister, would you ban exams for, for little ones in primary schools? Um. <laughs> I personally think children should be climbing trees. Yeah, and playing with conkers, yep. not getting stressed about having to do exams when they're ten years old. I think that what we have—I'm thinking about this this answer very carefully. I think what we've done, we've cocooned children. Looking back at my own childhood, when I was seven, I'd filled my Scouts Bob a job card up with with twenty one bob, one shilling, five p uh, jobs. We wouldn't let a seven-year-old go and do jobs these days. You wouldn't let them walk no. the streets doing it. So we've stopped that because society maybe has changed. Today, I can't employ an under 16-year-old without so much paperwork that it isn't even worth picking up mm. the folder to even start it. Well, by the time I was 16, I was leaving school at 16 and a half. I'd, I'd experienced so many different jobs. Mm. So now all of a sudden, we've taken away the job experience. Now, the thing is, I learn from seeing and doing. Other children might learn from from writing down and from reading. We're all different people. So I think we should give each child the opportunity that they deserve. And and I live in in an area where we have grammar schools. um, And the parents around here strive. In fact, the children feel they've let their parents down if they don't get into the grammar school. But not every child's a grammar grammar school material. I wasn't. So I went to the school for failures because I failed my 11 plus when my friends passed their 11 plus. But that was what was right for me. Yeah. But I I feel looking back, it's a shame that many, many children now are labelled failing. Yeah. Well, actually, each one of us has, each child has got a nugget of gold inside them. And what we've got to do is find what that nugget of gold is. Fantastic athlete, brilliant musician. And if they happen to be good at English and maths and other stuff as well, that is an added bonus. But there's no reason why a child who's outstanding in music shouldn't be recognised exactly the same as someone with a degree in from the biggest university. So let, let's find out what's great about every child. Let's celebrate every child. And we've got young people working in this business that, that come from a, a local school where the qualifications are going to be zero. And they're on our reception and they run around the office doing tasks. And we've allowed them to be real people in this working environment. Every child deserves an opportunity. And I hope that throughout the entertainment... In fact, I was in our Leeds, uh, Liverpool shop about uh, six or eight months ago. And a lady came up to me. She said, um, you don't know my history. She said, but I'm now assistant manager. I said, that's fantastic. She said, well, first of all, I started on a six-week placement from the job centre with you. Then you gave me a, a Christmas temp job. Then I got a 20-hour-a-week contract. Then I became a supervisor, and now I'm assistant manager. And, and, and people say to me, what do you want the intern to be remembered for? It won't be how much money I wake, how, how much money we make. It won't be how many shops we've got. It's how many people we've been able to give opportunities to. I love it, Gary. I think you'd be a great schools minister. In fact, I would vote for you. Thank you. Shall we go make some rosettes? Exactly. Let's do it. Steve Legg brings you the best podcast every single month. It's so great. He's a great guy. No one knows more about great podcasts than me. The features, the interviews, even the adverts. It's a great show. Fantastic. Enjoy the show. 
Well, that's about it for now. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast. A little bit different this time with just one special guest, but Gary Grant, what a guest. Uh, I just love the fact that this is a man with one O level, yet it led to a multi-million pound toy empire. Fascinating stuff. So until next time, Steve Legg and friends on the Sorted Man Up podcast. Do encourage your mates to subscribe and download and share on Facebook and Twitter. Let's see if we can get into the top five. Next time, it's our 10th birthday edition. So some special guests, exciting stuff. So um, till next time, help us get the word out. We'll see you. That was the Man Up podcast. They'll be back. You've been listening to the Man Up Podcast from Sorted Magazine, recorded, edited, and delivered by flagshiprecording.com.